0: This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, Owe oh Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Let's start here. Donald Trump lost his bid for re-election in 2020 when he lost the suburbs in the states he needed to win to be a two-term president. The GOP lost in 22 when they nominated candidates who couldn't play, you guessed it, in the suburbs. And the political landscape is different after the repeal of Roe versus Wade. The Republican Party needs a woman, a woman who is a steady hand at the wheel at the suburbs. Can believe it. And that woman is Nikki Haley. Just ask Nikki Haley. Before we get into all this, I need to play you a clip. This is Nikki Haley on Sean Hannity's program. First things first, Nikki Haley gets the question that every presidential candidate is asked when they are very obviously running for president, but don't want to announce right there and then that they are running. And you need a canned answer for this. Normally, it's something playful, like, I have nothing to announce at this time. Or, you know, it is something we're considering, and thank you for asking. Followed by, but you know, if I did, here's why I would. And then the reasons that you're going to run. Haley, however, has a bit of a different phrasing.
1: It looks like you're running. I suspect you're running. I don't know for sure, but if you want to make your announcement now, I think a lot of people would be happy. Um, uh, Are you thinking about it?
2: As fun as it would be to announce right now. um, Yes, we are. I just
1: got rejected. Go ahead.
2: (laughs) We are leaning in. I mean, look, it is time for a new generation. It is
0: time. She's going to lean into it. That might not mean anything to many of you, but it is a girl boss dog whistle. Lean In, of course, is the name of the 2013 book written by then Facebook executive Sheryl Sandberg. It became a must read for the post-internet age female professional. It is based on a viral talk that Sandberg gave to the TED Women Conference in 2010. This has been viewed over 12 million times.
2: But all that aside, we still have a problem and it's a real problem. And the problem is this. Women are not making it to the top of any profession anywhere in the world. The numbers tell the story quite clearly. 190 heads of state, nine are women. Of all the people in parliament in the world, 13% are women. In the corporate sector, women at the top... The
0: underlying message of Sandberg's talk are that women's success is within themselves. And should they decide to stay in the workforce then they need to condition themselves to be more positive-minded and strategically aggressive. More to the point, they need to understand that men will, on average, be both of those things without trying. And yet, it's not damning of men. This is important. Instead, it aims for an aspirational tone with women. In the final moments of the talk, Sandberg ties Two things that are normally natural enemies. Emotional fulfillment and commitment that women want for a family life with a rewarding career. Instead of making them apart, she says they belong together. She makes the case that they don't have to be at war. Women who are thinking about starting a family should be pushing for more responsibility and promotions at work because going back to a job that you have already decided you're bored with is the worst possible outcome. Lean In, as a book, became a phenomenon, a very Silicon Valley solution that eschewed victimhood culture. Of course, that meant it was also skewered as a pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstraps pablum for the tech stock crowd. But... As a political signifier, it does seem ripe to be co-opted by a female Republican candidate for president who wants a second look from women and suburban voters,
1: many of whom have tech stocks. Then there's this line from Hannity: President Trump is the only announced Republican candidate. Uh, He has a very strong following among the Republican base. You know that. The polls show that. Uh, we keep hearing Ron DeSantis' name. We keep hearing Glenn Youngkin's name. We keep hearing Mike Pompeo's name. Uh, Ted Cruz might make a, a run for it. I don't know at this point. Uh, it's a little early. I feel like we just got over the last election to move on to this one. Um, what would you say are the differences? Let's start with President Trump. Make America great again. America first agenda. What, what policy differences do you have with him?
2: Well, I had a great working relationship with him. I consider him a friend. We, you know, most of the policies that he did, I totally agree with. Um, And, you know, there's gonna be other Republicans in the race. Most of them are my friends, you know. Let the best woman
0: win. I mean, that's the way I at like it. Nikki Haley wants to redefine what it means to be a female candidate. She doesn't just want to be one of the boys. She wants to use her differentiation to her advantage without alienating male GOP with a cloying I'm with her feminism. The only question is, who is Nikki Haley? Is she the popular South Carolina governor who opposed Trump in 2016? Is she the Trump administration's UN ambassador who later said that she wouldn't run if Trump did only after she ripped Trump after January 6th? Or is she the person that we see right now, taking the Brian Kemp route of not antagonizing Trump, but also not living in fear of his rebuke? To understand that question, We have to understand what her case for the electorate is, her history, and yes, those saucy rumors. We begin with why I believe she believes she's the woman of the moment electorally. But first, this is politics, politics, politics. I'm Justin Robert Young. So as we're at this very conceptual period of the election, especially as we're looking at long shot candidates and Nikki Haley, at least in this stage of the game, I would consider a long shot candidate. The best argument that you can make is that your candidate with enough media attention and excitement is unique because it fits the moment. Think of it kind of like a key fitting into a lock. All those little teeth on the key magically fit exactly with the way the lock tumblers need them to. And then electorally, you can unlock stuff. All you need is the money, time, and attention. So Haley's people that are right now trying to make non believers into converts that Madam President Haley is something that can happen will likely tell anyone who will listen that Donald Trump has no shot in a general election. And here's why. Via Pew Research, one in four 2020 voters, that is 25%, had not voted in 2016. About a quarter of those showed up two years later in 2018 to cast ballots, the highest turnout in midterm elections of those who voted in 2018, but not 2016 backed Biden over Trump in the 2020 election two to one. So, you know, that Donald Trump does draw people to the polls. And when he was only drawing Republicans, it was really great. Unfortunately, he has now inspired other Voters, specifically Democratic voters, specifically Democratic voters that would vote for Joe Biden, who Democratic voters have not really been excited to vote for since the 80s. And that's a problem since the 2024 election would likely be Trump versus Biden. But let's dig even deeper into the suburbs. In 2020, Biden improved upon Clinton's 2016 vote share with suburban voters. 45% supported Clinton in 16, 54% for Biden in 2020. And remember, it was in the suburbs in Georgia, in Pennsylvania, in Nevada and Arizona, that the 2020 election was lost. Do not buy any other narratives that this was about turnout in the cities. No, 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 no. This was about independence in the suburbs who held their nose and voted for Trump because they did not like Hillary or did not vote in 2016, but found Trump so odious they wanted to oust him in 2020. By the way, Trump narrowly won white suburban voters by four points in 2020. In 2016, he won them by 16 points. That's who we're talking about. Minivan Voters who are persuadable to the Republican Party ditched Trump in droves. Let's dig into the gender gap of it all. The 2020 gender gap was narrower than it was in 2016. Biden made gains among men and Trump made gains among women compared to 2016. In 2020, men were almost evenly divided between Trump and Biden unlike 2016 when Trump won men by 11 points. So there was a closing of that gap. Trump won a slightly larger share of the women's vote in 2020 than 2016. That is 44 versus 39, while Biden's share among women was nearly identical to Clinton's, 55 to 54. But I would consider that a win for Biden because he's not a woman. You have to wonder whether or not a Republican woman would inspire a higher share of that vote. Now, let's take a look at the amount of women in play. According to the Center for American Women in Politics at Rutgers University, the rate of women reporting that they are registered, registered voters are not only higher than men, that's not odd, but it's also the highest it's been since 1992. Woo! Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Proportion reporting that they are registered voters for women is 74.1. Again, the highest that it has been since the early 90s. Add to that the chaos of a post row world. I genuinely believe that this cost the Republicans at least one seat in the Senate. I mean, it, it, it cost them the 50-50 Senate in, in Nevada. When I was in Nevada, I was watching those ads come out. Adam Laxalt was getting absolutely destroyed on abortion. And if that issue moved the needle at all, and based on Catherine Cortez Masto's spending, you got to imagine that it did. Then it was greatly added by the fact that the Republicans could not get on one page when it came to abortion post-Dobbs. The easy, easy, easy solution was to say, congratulations, guys we won. We wanted this to be a states' rights issue. It is a states' rights issue. Head on home. But then Lindsey Graham put forward a federal abortion mandate that was going nowhere and did nothing but provide an in-kind endorsement for the Democratic Senatorial Committee. Credit to Scrimshaw for giving that line. So, if Nikki Haley is able to be some kind of cohesive message coming from the mouth of a woman that could add some clarity. That's her electoral pitch. But who is she? Well, Haley was born Nimrata Nikki Randahawa to immigrant Indian Punjabi Sikh parents in Bamberg, South Carolina. Both of her parents were teachers and young Nikki After a stint in the private sector, eventually got into state politics in South Carolina.
2: Lieutenant Governor, we had no name ID and we had no money. But
1: you know what we did?
2: (laughs) But we had something they didn't have. We had you.
0: That is Nikki Well on her way to the South Carolina Governor's Mansion in 2010. She eventually got there. She served a term and a half, which was largely highly regarded. In fact, she got a lot of crossover media attention when she decided to remove the Confederate flag from the South Carolina State House. And then 2016 rolled around. I'm sure there were probably some people in her orbit asking for her to run. She did not, but she did endorse Marco Rubio. The clip that we are about to play for you was during a particularly sassy part of that insanely combative presidential Republican primary. Marco Rubio had developed some claws to go after Donald Trump. The field was adjusting to the fact that Donald Trump did not play by the same rules that all of the other Republicans did, but Rubio lost his voice. And so at this campaign stop in Atlanta, Georgia, Nikki Haley was the one who held the mic and did the rally with Rubio standing next to her.
2: So I will tell you the interesting thing is when you work hard and you fight hard, sometimes these things happen. And so when these things happen, what do you do? You call your friends. And when you call your friends... It's a dangerous thing when you say, will you speak for me? Because you know what I think Marco would say if he could talk?
0: My ears aren't big. But it was at this rally, this exact rally in late February 2016 that she first finds herself in the crosshairs of the Trump campaign. At the time, there was significant pushback from the opposing GOP candidates that Donald Trump should release his tax returns. This led to Trump staffer Don Scavino to tweet a mashup of Haley saying that Romney's tax return issues were a nothing burger in 2012 Juxtapose with her saying the opposite at the rally we just heard from in 2016. You think Governor Romney should release his income tax returns?
2: I mean, I will tell you, I think those are distractions. I saw it in my race. They always say, show me your um, tax return just so they can start throwing holes in it. I think that that will be his decision to make. But that's nothing but a a voting political ploy. I've seen it. I'm an accountant. I can tell you there is no audit that precludes you from showing your tax return. Yeah. Donald Trump, show us your tax return.
0: Donald Trump retweeted that tweet, and Nikki Haley responded with the most devastating thing that a Southern woman can say to their most despised enemy. In a tweet from March 1st, 2016, at Donald Trump, bless your heart. Ooh. Then again, within the year, she would be part of the Trump administration. It's only the most recent flip that has many wondering exactly how solid a moral foundation Nikki Haley has. But then, of course, there's also those rumors. All that and more after the break. Friends, friends, friends! Thank you very much for joining us for PX3 this fine Wednesday. Boy, man, it is. I'm not kidding, man. It's cold in Austin. It's freezing, legit freezing. I'll say it's freezing when it's 60 degrees. I, I'm a swamp creature. I, I grew up in the Everglades. I uh, sun my stomach after eating. I am. I am not of any kind of climate that that should get anywhere under 81 degrees. That being said, it is legitimately freezing here at Austin and so we are putting in even more effort into the show because otherwise I'll just go crazy like Jack Torrance in The Shining. So, if you want to reward this kind of mania, <laughs> then you can head on over to takepoliticsseriously.com at takepoliticsseriously.com. You can get not only an ad-free feed of this show, but also that's the $1 tier. That's $1 a week, $1 a week. That's, that's, you know, a couch change. If you go and eat fast food every week, I will guarantee you that, you probably have a dollar a week in change in your car. So just take that change. Go to takepoliticsseriously.com. Put the coins directly into your floppy disk drive. I don't know what time period I'm imagining here. Anyway, for a dollar a week, you can get an ad-free feed. For $3 a week, you can get two bonus episodes each and every week. All the news that we miss during our free podcasting schedule. And, and, and when I say news, I made a decision this year. I made a new year, new me decision that if the news wasn't something that I was genuinely excited about, then I was going to cover history or do deep dives. This episode is an example of it. That being said, there are machinations that are going on right now meow, about the Debt Limit increase There's George Santos news that is, that is happening right now He just dropped himself off A bunch of committees That kind of stuff The day to day TikTok stuff Is going to be in Our Patreon stuff No matter what I'm always going to give you guys Those hot fresh takes No matter what Even if they're not The things that I want to dedicate An entire episode to and that's, that's that's the way it's going to go here. So head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $1 a week, ad-free fee. That's, come on, ain't no better deal in the biz than that. $3 a week, you get two bonus episodes each and every week. I feel like this is a good deal. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. TakePoliticsSeriously.com.
2: U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley has resigned and President Trump has accepted her resignation. Ambassador Haley was at the White House earlier today.
1: I wanted to do this because Nikki Haley, Ambassador to the United Nations, has been very special to me. She's done an incredible job. I can speak for Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. He thinks the world of Nikki and uh, so we're all, we're all happy for you in one way, but we hate to lose. Uh, you'll, hopefully you'll be coming back at some point, but <laughs> you want to just, uh, in, in maybe a different capacity, you can have your pick.
0: I genuinely can't believe that I found that clip while I was researching this episode because it fits in just so perfect to the rumor-filled tenure that Nikki Haley had as a member of the Trump administration. Let me make this very, very clear. Nikki Haley has not done anything for which you can say she brought on these rumors, but that has not stopped rumors from swirling. Start with the most benign first. You heard in that clip, Donald Trump say that secretary of state Mike Pompeo the world of her. Well, he certainly thought something, because in the new book released by Mike Pompeo, former Secretary of State and likely competitor for the 2024 nomination of the Republican Party, he had the following to say that Nikki Haley plotted with Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner to replace Mike Pence on the 2024 ticket with Donald Trump. In said book, Never Give an Inch, Pompeo writes that Haley secured a personal Oval Office meeting with Trump without checking with Pompeo. He also accused Haley of playing, then White House Chief of Staff John Kelly, by showing up to a one-on-one meeting with Trump alongside Ivanka and Jared. As best Kelly could tell, Pompeo wrote, they were presenting a possible Haley for vice president ticket option. I can't confirm this, but Kelly was certain he'd been played. He was not happy about it. Clearly, this visit did not reflect a team effort, but undermined our work for America. End quote. But that is benign compared to the Other rumor that was put forth by Michael Wolfe, specifically in the press rounds for his book, Fire and Fury. Let's go ahead and play this clip from Real Time with Bill Maher at the time that the Without
1: book came out. I want you to tell me something that the other people have not noticed in this book. Is there something that you think, boy, why don't they ask me about this that I put in there that they're not talking about? There is, but I can't tell you what it is. So oh, the- Teasing us like that. There is something in the in the book that I I I was absolutely sure of, but it was so incendiary that that I just didn't have the 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 ultimate proof. Considering what he's done, what is it a woman thing? Well, I yeah, I didn't have the blue dress. Um, (laughs) No, is it about a woman? It is. Oh, it is. It is. Oh, it's somebody. Now it is. Oh, and it's. Who's just have to read between the lines. What lines? Tell us the lines. (laughs) You say it's in the book. It's toward the end of the book. Okay, well it's in the book. Then we go. Yeah, you you just just have to. You'll know it. I'll know it. Now that I've told you, when you when you hit that paragraph, you're gonna say bingo. Okay.
0: This led a Trump-obsessed populace and media to scour the book, specifically the end of the book, and find a paragraph mentioning how much private time Nikki Haley was spending with Trump on Air Force One. Haley immediately responded,
2: It is absolutely not true. It is highly offensive. And it's disgusting.
0: And in a rarity for the the at-the-time Mueller investigation obsessed Trump media, Nikki Haley found some real vociferous defense. Here's a very awkward moment that Michael Wolff had on MSNBC's Morning Joe. Um, you made some news this weekend uh, talking about things you didn't know firsthand, saying you believed it was true, but you had no proof that the
2: president had an affair with someone in his administration. He- Yes. That's pretty much what you said. Then you kind of led and indicated if you follow the breadcrumbs, you can figure out who it was. After a lot of rumors came out, you know, it was speculation that you met Nikki Haley and you said she's embraced it. Don't you find that absolutely irresponsible at this point in time where we are as a society when you're talking about a woman who's a high-profile woman in the well, Trump let administration me, let me, let me to interrupt. go
1: after her without any evidence, without any facts, it just seems that it is so irresponsible. Well, first thing, I didn't go after her, and secondly, what I... Um what I, certainly what I meant was I found it puzzling that she would deny something she was not accused of. Wait, are you are you suggesting I, I, you that know what? Are you suggesting the language is not uh, ambiguous in any way in the, the things that you've said and the way you've Come on. stated it? Come
2: on. Are you kidding? You're on the set of Morning Joe. We don't BS here.
1: Well, I, what's, read me the language.
2: Are you kidding me? I'm not reading you anything. Well, we can play the
1: Bill Maher. If you don't get it, (laughs) if you don't get what we're talking about, I'm sorry. This is is awkward.
2: You're here on the set with us, but we're done. Michael Wolf, thank you. We're going to go to break now. Bye, everyone. We'll be right back.
0: I play all that, and hopefully the rest of this show is enough to demonstrate that if and when Nikki Haley does get into this race, I do think that she's going to have a pretty fair shake from the media. It seems that the media likes her. And when she was wronged by Michael Wolff, they very much came to her defense. And it wasn't just the right-wing media. It was Morning Joe, who, again, I cannot stress enough. In case you were in a coma from 2015 till now, and this is the first words you're hearing, and for some reason you're listening to the PX3 podcast, the mainstream media was not in the business of defending Anyone in the Trump administration. So this does stand out. But beyond the tongue wagging scuttlebutt, there is a real game of hokey pokey with Nikki Haley's Trump relationship. Sometimes she puts her right foot in. She was very, very, very supportive of Donald Trump after she left the administration. In fact, she was quietly building a team to run in 2024 throughout the time that she left the UN, assuming that Donald Trump would win a second term and she would be able to run in 2024. But then January 6th happened and in a 2021 feature story in political magazine, she took her right foot out. Haley mince no words on Donald Trump's handling of January 6th. And I'm going to read you all of her quotes, but before, because you know we love good political writing on this program. We will always showcase a good lead when we read one. And this story by Tim Alberta has a doozy. I'm going to read it verbatim. Here we go. Late last year, Nikki Haley had a friend who was going through a hard time. he lost his job, was being evicted from his house. He was getting bad advice from bad people who were filling his head with self-destructive fantasies. He seemed to be losing touch with reality. Out of concern, Haley called the man. I want to make sure you're okay, she told him. You're my president, but you're also my friend. Oh, way. Cold like Alberta. Okay, so here's her comments on January 6th. I'm watching television the morning of the 6th, and I see Don Jr. get up there. And I hear the president get up there and go off on Pence. I was literally so triggered I had to turn it off. I mean, John texted me something and said, I can't. I can't watch it. I can't watch it because I felt the same thing. Someone's going to hear that and bad things are going to happen. When I tell you I'm angry, it's an understatement. Mike has been nothing but loyal to that man. He's been nothing but a good friend to that man. I am so disappointed in the fact that despite the loyalty and the friendship that he had with Mike Pence, that he would do him like that. I'm disgusted by it. When asked whether or not Trump would be held accountable for January 6th, I think he's going to find himself further and further isolated. I think his business is suffering at this point. I think he's lost any sort of political viability he was going to have. I think he's lost his social media, which meant the world to him. I mean, I think he's lost the things that really could have kept him moving. He's not going to run for federal office again, Haley said. I don't think he's going to be in the picture. I don't think he can. He's fallen so far. We need to acknowledge that he let us down. He went down a path he shouldn't have and we shouldn't have followed him. and We shouldn't have listened to him and we can't ever let that happen again. Listen, I walked into this RNC room and I was not expecting a whole bunch of love for that speech. She gave a very negative speech. I'm going to add editorially about Trump after January 6th. I know how much people love Donald Trump. I know it. I feel it. Whether it's in an RNC room or social media or talking to donors, I can tell you that the love they have for him is still very strong and that's not going to fall by the wayside. Nor do I think the Republican Party is going to go back to the way it was before Donald Trump. And I don't think it should. I think what we need is to take the good that he built, leave the bad that it did, and get back to a place where we can be a good, valuable, effective party. But at the same time, it's bigger than the party. I hope our country can come together and figure out how we pull this back. Sizzling! That is strong! And then two weeks later, she put her right foot back in the MAGA pile by saying to the Hill that she would not run for president if Donald Trump decided to run. Quote, I would not run if President Trump ran. And I would talk to him about that. That's something that we'll have a conversation about at some point if that decision is something that has to be made. And now it looks like she's done the hokey pokey and turned it all around if she's leaning into an announcement with Trump already announced that he's running. Nikki Haley's gonna have to summon that fire and... Indeed, Fury, if she is going to play a meaningful role in this primary. It's gonna have to be like what she said to Politico Magazine, but in a way that actually is politically viable, considering the electorate. She's going to want to shoot the gap, but she's going to need to eat up a lot of earned press attention. That's going to be hard because she also wants to be the kind of boring Republican the way your dad used to have it. So the question is, is she viable in this primary? Well, it's still early, but right now, the prognostication ain't exactly great. According to a Trafalgar group poll taken from January 24th to 26th in her home state of South Carolina, which is an early primary state. But if if you don't do well in Iowa, you don't do well in New Hampshire, you know, South Carolina is going to be a hard place to begin momentum. And yet, if she does not finish in the top two, and I'm talking about within 5% of the lead in the top two in South Carolina, she doesn't really have a shot. Well, according to this Trafalgar group poll, she is fourth. Haley has 12%. Fellow South Carolinian Tim Scott has 14%. Ron DeSantis 28. Donald Trump, 43%. That is Trump plus 15. That doesn't mean that everything's done for Nikki Haley. It does mean that she has a lot of work to do. And her task is the same as everybody's in this primary. Injure Donald Trump's support with rank-and-file MAGA while proving yourself to the suburban leaners who abandoned the Republican Party over the last two elections. Playing it safe won't do it. Enough hokey-pokey. Nikki Haley has to pick a position, take her right foot, and stick it where the sun don't shine. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. You can send me emails, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Twitter, Justin R. Young, or you can hit up the show, PX3 Tweets. Find me live on the internet, px3live.com. Usually Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Every once in a while, I'm not there. Oh, and also join our Discord, bit.ly slash jurydiscord, J-U-R-Y-D-I-S-C-O-R-D. That is where you can join our community of like-minded hooligans who enjoy the shows that you enjoy, if you enjoy it enough to join a Discord. If you don't know what Discord is, it's like Slack, but for things that you don't hate, like work. If you would like to support the program with a one-time donation, you can do so. Paypal.me payjury. Venmo. Venmo money isn't real. Prove it. Justin-Young-20. Our cash app is PX3 Cash. And you can send anything that you would like in the mail to PO Box 153184 Austin, Texas 78715. Again, Post Office Box 153184 Austin, Texas seven eight seven one Five. The only place you can get our bonus content is TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $1 a week gets you an ad-free version of this show. Our $3 tier, that is 3 bucks a week, gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcasting schedule and our $10 a week level gets your name read right at the end of the show like these fine folks in the Titanic $10 tier. Dustin, Jason, Andres, C. Garcia, Matt, Craig Potts, MC Dradio, Unsafe DB Levels, Katie, Amanda, Ye Olde Pinball Shop, DP4, Bongo, Kneemeister, Catherine, Todd, and Vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Let me stop right here. I was hanging with my mom this weekend. I was in Florida. She's like, who is in Vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order? I'm like, that's how much love you got, mom. That's how much love you got. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA select, start. Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, 100-mile runner, Idris Landy Blue Bluefront and the Lenina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic, Taryn, Molly's dashing debut, Miranda, Janelle, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul is awesome, Brad, Richard, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike who loves Frank, got abducted, Utah, Jimmy, Montana, the Gen, A, L, D, L, D, L, D, really? Chopper, Andrew, and Joshua, you want your name read on this program? Wow. Well. Only one place to do it. Take politics seriously.com. Um I don't know what our Friday episode is going to be. I've been I've been uh, uh, flirting around with the idea of then and now the opening couple months of Donald Trump's 2016 campaign versus his 2020 campaign. I think that might be it. I was gonna do an episode. On on uh, a blue Florida, a blue Florida. What happened to that state? Why did a 50 50 state, the most famously purple of states, now uh, uh, become as red as it has? But uh, my guest on that, I really want this good guest, and uh, he can't do it till next week. So it'll have to wait till next week. It's still on, though. And that one's going to uh, uh, feature an interview with my mom conducted on (laughs) i4 it cannot get more Florida than that so uh, uh, keep an eye on that in the meantime we will see you on the Patreon until next time friends this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying some shows talk about politics others talk about politics and still more discuss politics but this this is the only show that dares discuss Oh,
1: three. (laughs)